Ashley Brock, Diana Palmer's protector, chapter 7. Haynes was wearing the t-shirt with his pajamas, and he was under the covers when Lynette brought him a tray for supper. I should be coming downstairs for meals, he said apologetically. Next week, she said, right now, you're con- you concentrate on getting better. I know it's slow, but Dr. Coltrane told you it wouldn't be an overnight process. He grimaced. I'm not working. That's first. I haven't had a vacation in five years. I know. You're overdue, she smiled at. You're overdue, she smiled at him in a different way. There was an intimacy between them now that was new and exciting. She felt possessive about him. He saw that it made him tingle. He ran up at her. She flushed and then laughed. What are you going to tell? What were you going to tell me earlier? She went, hey. Julie ran into the room with Shane right behind him. Not on the bed. But that said everything. Hey, just try to eat, baby. Oh, sorry. Julie said, coming to a sudden stop. At the bedside. We wanted to know if we could watch the dragon movie with you after supper. Please, we'll do everything. We'll be ever so good. You've seen the dragon movie ten times, Manette Gross. Six! Julie Potter. Only six, Manette. <laughs> I've only seen it twice, so I have to catch up. Sure, it's okay if Manette doesn't mind. He told the children indignantly. Manette doesn't mind. Manette said, Emily. It wouldn't do any good if I did. She laughed. I'm out You can watch it with us. Julie offered big eyes. Er, Hayden used with a wicked twinkle in his eyes. He patted the bed beside Funny room. Uh, uh, I need to make a few phone calls, she said, smiling a little self-consciously. Maybe another time. Another time, then. Coming back for the tray, apple pie for dessert, she added, she added as she went out the door, shooting the kids ahead of her. She was in the middle of a call one with one of the daily newspapers, reporters. She knew about a rumor going around the this man, El Jefe, she told Jenny Ryan, a colleague, the word is that he's moving in a horse ranch here in Jacobsville. I can't find anybody who knows anything definite. Neither can I, Jenny agreed. It's odd, isn't it? I mean, he was relatively safe across the border, but in the United States, he's under investigation by the DEA, or so we hear. Doesn't Cy Parks know some of the DEA agents personally? Maybe you can pump him for information. I don't know him well enough to presume, Lynette said sadly. I wish I did. Jared Carson is living with you, and he knows Cy. And he broke, couldn't you ask him? Lynette hesitated. I suppose I could. <laughs> and then please share with me, Jenny Wendell. Your weekly reports know so much more than we daily ones do. A likely story. No kidding, you do, Guinea protested. You live in the small communities where people know everything. I only get gossip up here in San Antonio. I'll tell you what I find out when it left. Here, pal, I'll share with you if I turn up anything. Deal, I'll call you in. Oh, I've got another call. Sorry. No problem. Have a good night. And he hung up. Annette answered the second call. Minute later, she said into me. Minutes. It was a man's voice, deep and slow, speaking clipped English with only a trace of a Spanish. She always said it was her favorite name. The child was a girl. Minette's heart stopped. Who are you? 
I am your father. Came to reply. She didn't know what to say. Her mother had only spoken vaguely of her father, and she didn't. And she died before Manette had a chance to ask for more information. Are you still there? The voice asked. She thought, I'm here. I know this must be a shock for you, he said, and under normal circumstances, I would never have presumed to force myself into your life. But there are complications which may involve you in great danger. Complications? She felt like a parrot. She didn't even think. Yes, I have an enemy. You had your sheriff stopped by a professional assassin because he dared to arrest one of his enforcers. He believes that if he kills enough people, he will be beyond the reach even of law enforcement. This is a stupid thing, but then he is particularly a stupid man. He laughed softly at his own joke. Who are you? Manette asked, and she was certain she wasn't going to like the answer. My name, my real name, is Diego Bernardo Sanchez, she said, but most people just call me El Jefe. She caught her breath, and she sat up very straight and said, You're the drug lord. Ah, mijina, please, no stereotypes, she groaned, using the Spanish for my daughter. Don't call me that, she pleaded. He laughed. Too much, too soon, huh? He took her. All right, then, Manette. She swallowed again, hard, her hand holding the receiving machine. You bought property next door to Site Park. Yes, the infamous mercenary laughed. Well, where I feel very particularly safe, because most of his men are also veterans of many foreign conflicts. <laughs> he doesn't like drug wars, she bit up. Ah, uh-huh. He said his voice, making me the equivalent of a shaking finger. Stereotypes again. I am dealing in illegal. I am a dealer in illegal substances, not a potent. But Cy Parks will like me, he promised, because I am the worst enemy El Lorenzo ever made. His voice hardened as he said his competitor's name. He is just Pedro Menendez, and he calls himself the king of drugs. But everyone who hates him, and there are legions, legions of these, Call him the thief. He steals men's lives in pursuit of wealth. Carries with him a golden diamond-plated pistol and a holster also layered with gold. Can you imagine such a sight? He laughed. She was listening, but her life was crashing down around her. She was the daughter of one of the most notorious criminals in the world. Haynes was going to hate her just when things have been going so well between them. Ah, you don't want to talk about guns, I can tell. You know, I only recently found out about you. My wife, excuse me. My ex-wife was told never to try to communicate with me. I also never sent investigators to attempt to find her. It was the only protection I could give her, even though El Lorano was dangerous to anyone close to me. While we were both climbing the ladder, so to speak, of our mutual trade, I loved her more than my own life. Here, there has never been another woman. I grieve for her. I never knew that she was pregnant when she left for the States. She was really listening to me. left my mother. Of course, just as she loved me. I heard of her death, but I dared not send flowers or condolences. I had also heard that she remarried and had a child with her husband. I never knew the child was mine, not until my enemies started paying various attention to a woman across the border who ran a newspaper. Even though I thought his interest was because you are known for your fearless publications of drug-related crimes. Why did you hire a private detective to find me? She asked. Because my enforcer gathered information that your mother's child was not the child of her husband, but my child. El Rango discovered the truth just before I did, he supposed. He wants to kill you to get to me, but first he will kidnap you and do, shall we say, unthinkable things to you and record them for my benefit. He grieves me that I only know now about you. I would have done so many things differently if I had known before. 
you are in grave danger, all because of me. She spoke. I know that I run a newspaper, she pointed out. Nothing safe and quiet about my business. I found that out along with your identity and the information that your business had been firebombed when you attempted to attempted to report drug activity in your country by Ella Ronaldson. Very dangerous. The man is completely insane, and this is not just my opinion. I deal with an illegal substance, yes, but he is obsessed with the thought of becoming the sole trafficker in Mexico, and to the end he has decided to eliminate the others. His primary target is me, because I am second only to him. He wants you dead, she said in a personal question. Of course, as I want him dead, he said in closure. But my motives are, shall we say, slightly more noble than his, because I do not kill people. There were border agents shot just recently. Yes, he stumbled onto two Alabama mules with an SUV for cocaine. The outcome was predictable. Eldorado does not hesitate to shoot anyone in his way. And if you do not believe this, look again at your house guest. Yes, you know everything? Of course. One of my men is an expert in intelligence gathering, his former employee in the Middle East. But an untimely dismise at the hands of some of your countrymen here. His loss, my gain. Then why hire private detectives, she wondered. The method of intelligence gathering done by my colleague, Black Spinetz, he said. Can't use a phone? He laughed. He practices his craft more usually with a knife. You don't kill people, you said. She said, but yes, but I never said I didn't injure them, he pointed out. You must not trouble yourself over this. I do not disfigure them or leave them with disparate injuries. Most will give the information I wish with very little coaching, which they later describe as the most horrible torture to save face. I see. Nina, he continued grimly. I go to Mass every Sunday. I contribute to various welfare agencies. I adopt families at Christmas and flood them with presents. I even maintain a chapel on my property for my workers. I may be a bad man, but I am not without decency. You still break the law, she replied solemnly. Well, of course. I have to make a living so that I can afford to be charitable. He laughed. She sighed. I know this is very hard for you, he said. Losing your mother was the worst thing that ever happened to me. You are my only child, the only really good thing I have ever done. I, he said, I wish to know you just a little and to protect you to the very best of my ability while I find a way to remove Ella Rendell permanently from my lives. Murder him, you mean, she said, oh, not necessarily, but I can provide enough evidence to have him put away for life. If I can get someone with one of the letter agencies to help me. Letter agencies, he laughed, CIA, FBI, DEA, NSA, DHS. He explained, we call them letter agencies because their names are most often abbreviated. You can get evidence against El Rondo, but he isn't in this country, she said. He lives in Mexico, from what I hear, just across the border in Cotaron. Yes, he does, but now that I am here, he will also be here, he said, and his voice became thick with concern. I cannot let him kill you, so there will be people watching you always. They will be discreet, he interrupted when she started the protest. I know that Tarascus will do what he can, along with his friends, but it might not be enough. The assassin Aldo Rindel sent after him was dealt with quite harshly for missing, and it was only the unexpected moment of this sheriff that saved his life. Otherwise, he would be very dead. The assassin was one of the best of his kind. Oh, dear. The worry she felt was much more for hate than person. He said he was going to send another one. Hell, happy life. Yes, he is. In fact, he has already deposited the request amount. 
in the assassin's Swiss bank account. It's not funny, she said with bittering. It is, if you know who he actually hired, the man told her with drama. It is one of my own men, posing as the best assassin in Europe, so do not worry. Your house guest is perfectly safe for the moment, and if we can find a way to deal with Alano before he suspects the truth, he will be safe forever, at least from that quarter. She was startled for a long time. There was so much to get used to. You're sure she knows about me, Hathi said to me. What? How do you know that? She burst out. I have listening devices in some very odd places, he said. He spoke to someone recently about me. He was very upset that he could not tell you who I was, as he made a promise to his own father. He's quite famous for keeping his word, so many people today find it inconvenient or old-fashioned. I consider it a point of honor. I never break my word once I give it. He knows? She was feeling chills all the way down her feet. He knows! Yes, it surprised me that he will associate with you because he blames me for his brother's death. And you, of course, are my child. My child, he added slowly. How sweet that word sounds now that I can put the name and face behind it. He hates me, sins to me, always has, ever since Bobby died. I never understood why. I thought he meant I was connected with the local drug dealers, but I... I don't have anything to do with them. I was too young and too naive to ever hang around people like that. When Bobby and I were in school together, I never knew who. I am deeply sorry, he replied. We choose our paths through life without constant, considering that each pebble thrown into a still lake makes ripples that eventually touch everything around it. I choose to be on the wrong side of the law, and even though you knew nothing about it, I still influence the people around you in a sad way. I'm sorry for that. She bitterly, well, at least now I know why he hates me. She said, you have feelings for him. There was a long sigh on the other end of the line. So I'm sorry once more, but it's always good to know the truth, even if it hurts. We do not service to others by lying. You're one very strange drug dealer, Renette. I am just a man. Voice muffled in the back. Put his hand over him, saying, my mama's on I must go. I have a visitor, he laughed. I think it's my neighbor. This conversation should be quite interesting. Side Park? She asked. The same. Do not worry. I have never yet killed a guest. Promise me, she replied. Oh, you know me so well already. And we have only just met. I do promise, and I promise that Alderona will never touch you, he added quietly. All the same, be careful of your surroundings and keep a careful eye on your little brother and sister, because believe me, you will not hesitate to harm them if you can. He considers that any member of an anniversary's family is fair game. I will, she boss. Thank you for telling me. It was not a pleasure. Dick! Sorry about that. My husband came up behind me and scared the other little shit out of me. So I am sorry once more, but... It is always good to know the truth, even when it hurts. We do no service to others by lie. You're a very strange drug dealer, she said. I am just a man. Voice muffled in the background. Put his hand over the receiver and mumbled something more. I must go. I have a visitor, he said. I think it is my neighbor. This conversation should be quite interesting. Side part? Yes, the same. Do not worry. I have never yet killed a guest. Promise me, she returned. Ah, you know me so well already, and we have only just met. I do promise, and I do promise that El Lorindo will never touch you here, correctly. All the same, be careful of your surroundings, and 
Keep a watchful eye on your little brother and sister, because believe me, he will do no, not hesitate to harm them if he can. He considers that any member of an adversary's family is fair game. I will, Holmes. Thank you for telling me. But it was not a pleasure, except that it pleased me very much to have a child. I am sorry that the news gives you less pleasure than it does me. We will speak again. Farewell. He hung up. Manette put the receiver down. Idly, she noted a spot of coffee on the desk and grabbed a nearby paper towel to mop it up. Her father was a drug lord. Her father was a drug lord. Her father was a drug lord. Manette, can we watch another movie, please? Please? Julie called from the staircase. She swallowed, got to her feet, picked up her cup full of cold coffee, and walked out. No, sweetheart, tomorrow's a school day. You and Shane have to go to bed now. Aw, do we have to? Yes, go on, get in your PJs and tell Shane. She added, I'm going to heat up my coffee in the microwave and I'll be up to tell you a story and tuck you in. Go on now. Okay. She ran back up the staircase. Nate had heated her coffee. She wanted to go into Sarah's room and cry on her shoulder, but the poor woman had gone to bed early with a headache. She hesitated to wake her. So she went upstairs, sipped coffee while she read a Dr. Seuss book to the kids and then put them both to bed. Then she went out into the hallway. She hesitated at Haynes' room, but it would do no good to put off this conversation, she told herself. She had to deal with it. The longer she waited, the worse things would get. She had to protect Julie and Shane and Aunt Sarah. She wasn't worried for herself. She knocked on the door. Since when do you have to knock on doors in your own house? Haynes asked amusingly. Closed the door behind her, but she stopped at the foot of his bed. Her face was drawn pale. What's wrong? He asked at once, and his concern was obvious. She moved one shoulder. I just got a phone call. Let me guess. They know I'm here, and they're going to try again. He guessed. She shook her head. No, actually, she said, taking a deep breath. I just got a phone call from my father. Haynes <laughs> sat very still, gets his pillow. Your father? She nodded. El Jefe, isn't that what they call him? My father, one of the most famous drug lords in the country, maybe in several countries. He went, he promised his father that he never told the truth. He blamed her because her father had supplied the drugs that killed his brother. He hated her, but since they'd become so close, his feelings were in flux. He certainly did hate her, and now she, he felt guilty that he let her find out the terrible news all by herself without any warning. I should have told you, he said heavily. I'm sorry. Lynette's eyebrows lifted. He said you knew. Said you promised your father that you'd never tell him. She said, I did. How the hell did he know that? He burst out. He has listening devices. One of his enforcers used to work for some Middle Eastern leader who was killed. I'll bet I know the one here, but that late Middle Eastern madman's top abide has a degree from MIT and he's the most dangerous man on two legs with an automatic weapon. They say he's handsome and personable and if you meet him on the street you'll never guess what he did for a living. Some combination. You bet it is and he's here with your father about to start a drug war. It's much worse than that, she said. The anguish she felt was visible on her pale, drawn face and shimmering eyes. He yelled out an 
come here, sweetheart. He said in a tone so tender that it made her cry. She didn't even hesitate. She dropped down on the bed beside him. He curled her into his body with his good arm and held her pillowed against his chest while she cried as if her heart would break. I've never even gotten a parking ticket. She's all been my father's worst curl in the country. Now, now, he said, seizing her back with his big hand. He's definitely not the worst. Even our best people can't hang any murders on them. Although, he had a thought we could hang a few on people who have worked for him over the years. And there are many lives lost by people who overdose on illegal drugs. <laughs> he had a grimly. Rub it in. He held her closer. He My. felt her breast very firmly against his chest, soft under the firmness. It aroused him, and he shifted just a little under the cover so that she didn't feel it. He generally wanted to provide comfort, not sex. Well, right now, anyways, I'm not, he protested softly. He kissed her beautiful pale golden hair. She started for it. Listen, criminal behavior can come in many forms. Some who've been the the laws are just like other people. Most of them pay taxes, love their families, give to charity, even go to church. Except they make money illegally. Mommy. Her small cold fist hit his chest gently. He's not normal, Mommy. and I'm his daughter. She grunted. What if those qualities are in What if those qualities are in me too? What if I end up on the wrong side of the law? Bowl here, qualities. Environment and upbringing have a lot to do with it. So does genetics, he said. Well, we can argue forever. It won't change anything. You're not a criminal. My father is. Why did he call? She sighed and wiped her eyes the back of her hand. He says his worst enemy decided to target me. That's why he moved here. He's going to have people watch me, he says, to keep me safe. Ancient world will be in good company. I haven't. From a reliable source that some of Side Park's men are also watching you healing close. So is Zach, but you're not supposed to know that. Great, I'll be at the head of a parade. Not a visible one. When my father hung up, Side Parks had just walked in his door. She had, good lord, he's got guts, ain't caught it, but I guess considering his past, it's not so surprising. He always was wanting to wade into trouble. Didn't anyone ever tell you what he did in Africa? No. An orphan African child he loved was killed in the country where he and the others in his group were working. The men who did it started firing with machine guns. So I walked right into the gunfire and got to them, and he avenged the child. How did he live through that? She asked. No clue. History says Wider did the same thing in a shootout with some of the Clinton gang after the OK Corral gunfight. Guy, guy was firing a shotgun. Ed walked right into the fire and shot the man. Never was scratched. In fact, there's no evidence that he ever suffered a gunshot wound all his time as a lawman. He lived until 80s. My goodness. Didn't he hang out with Doc Holliday? He chuckled. Did you ever watch that movie Tombstone with Kurt Russell and Val Kilmer? I don't think so. You should, except for the red sashes the wrestlers wore. It's very true to historic record. And in fact, Val Kilmer's portrayal of Holiday is right on the money, down to the pale face and coughing sprays and drinking. You know, ragged little kids followed Holiday around in every town he visited because he'd feed them. They asked him once if his conscience didn't bother him because of all the men he killed. Know what he said? No, she replied, fascinating. That he coughed that up along with his lungs long ago. He was only 36 years old when he died.
with his boots off of tuberculosis in Glenwood Springs, Colorado, two years older than that me. That put things into perspective. She snuggled closer, careful not to jar him too much. Very young, his I'm so sorry, she said after a minute. For what? For what my father did, she said heavily. Bobby, he went deep up the pain of what he'd done to her over the years, hating her, persecuting her for something she didn't even know about. And now that she did know, it seemed so futile, so useless. Hold that ache. No, Manette, he said, well, I'm sorry for blaming you when you never had a part in it. You don't hate me? He shifted so that her head fell back against his shoulder on the bed. He looked straight into her black eye. I don't hate you. His gaze moved her sharply. I'm not sure that I ever did, really. The way he looked at her made her heart rage. She stared at him with fascinated delight, loving the strong lines of his tanned face, the way his thick hair fell naturally into a wave over his left eye, the thickness of it, her hands long to tangle in it, the way they had when they kissed her. Looking for trouble? He asked Tusker. Pardon me? He choked I look that way in a state when I'm hungry. He mused. Oh, just see fertilizer. No, don't do that. I like it. He whispered, tilting her face back so that he could look into her embarrassed eyes. I like it a lot. You too? He nodded. His head bent. He brushed his lips over her softly, slowly, parting them so that he could catch the upper lip in his teeth and nibble at it. She had no experience of such things. Her life had been devoted to the two children she inherited from her stepfather and stepmother to the newspaper, but Haynes didn't seem to mind that she came with a ready-made family. He smiled against her lips, shifting and kissing her again, with hunger but also with restraint. She relaxed. She hadn't realized how tense she was. She hoped Haynes wasn't going to ask for more than she could get. She was a person of faith. She believed certain things were right and others were wrong. She wasn't going to change her beliefs because of anyone else's been. You think I'm just out for a good time, don't you? He whispered as he kissed me. I don't know. <laughs> he lifted his head and searched her eyes. We live in a goldfish bowl. I can keep a, fo I can keep a poker face, but you can't. If we get involved, everybody's going to know about it. That wouldn't be a good idea then. He pursed his lips and studied her smiling eyes. Oh, I didn't say that. I'm 34. I live with a giant iguana. Women won't date me because they think Andy will eat them. On the other hand, he pointed out you have too little dependence that you're not about to judge them just because some guys think you're more attractive without them. Fair assessment, she had to be. I like kids. <laughs> She's smiled. I like iguanas. <laughs> he opened his eyes and what? What? He asked. I like iguanas, she said. I had one for a pet when I was about 16. I kept him for two years, but one morning, I found him dead in his cage. I begged my stepfather to have him autopsy because I was afraid it was something I'd done wrong. It wasn't. He had something wrong with him internally. I never quite understood what, but the vet said that animals in the wild try to hide things that are wrong with them because it can be fatal or show weakness. The thing is, an iguana's metabolism is so slow that by the time you see something wrong, it's too late to save the animal. She said, I just never saw anything wrong. He seemed perfectly fine. He was eating and drinking. And sometimes animals just die, so you like iguanas. How about that? And he doesn't like women, she reminded him. 
He doesn't like most women. So there's hope. <laughs> he laughed and bent to kiss her again. There's always hope. It's the last thing we lose. <laughs> she touched his lean cheek, slid her hand into the thick hair at the back of his head. Hope is good. He kissed her heart. Yes. What are we going to do? She asked him. I can think of a few things. About my father, she qualified. He lifted his head with a sigh. I can't think of a few things, but I'll work on it. He bent and started kissing her again with more insistence this time. And she went under like a personal chloroform. Lynette, I'm thirsty. Can I have a drink of water? She heard through a verbal, reveal fog of passion. Haynes lifted his head, stared at her blankly. Be right there. Lynette called back. She said, sorry. He manages, he managed to think of it as home-based verbal birth control. He, hey, she thumped him, thumped him, but she, sorry. Resisted. She smiled. She leaned up bravely and kissed him very softly. I have to go. I know. We'll talk again in the morning. See what decisions we can make. He replied his face grew hard. I think I need to have a little talk with your dad myself. You'll ask Coltrane first, she informed him when she was back on her feet. Yes, Mom. He returned. She shook her finger. I am not your mother. I'll say. He gave her a very long, deep appraisal. Nice. Very nice. If you ever cut that hair all one morning for a year, he had it thought. I love the way it feels in my hands. She flushed. It's a lot of work. I look terrible in black. He pointed out. She like, okay. She says, if you go to see him, I'm going with you. She said, I want to know what he looks like. There used to be a wanted poster in the post office. Stop that. She went out and closed the door. End of chapter 7.